welcome to the Progressing Lives Everywhere podcast, brought to you by Amoria Bond. In each episode, Amoria Bond will interview a prominent leader from across their specialist STEM sectors to discuss their personal experiences of progression and share invaluable insights and inspiring anecdotes of what progression means to them. This is Progressing Lives Everywhere. Lee, welcome to the Progression Lives Everywhere podcast. We uh, we got there in the end. Had a few um, technical issues, but we're uh, we're good to go. How are you? I'm really good, mate. Really good. Good. So, I'm Andy Barrow from Amoria Bond. For those that don't know, and we'll be recording a, a series of short chats over the coming weeks where we focus on mindset, hacks, motivation, concentration goals with uh, people from very different walks of life, but certainly a common thread that these people will be speaking to including yourself lee there's a, a massive level of positivity optimism adaptability too much for me to say but um lee's got this in abundance you know from whether it was a top level headhunter and consultant fine all-round sportsman eventually circling his way back around about 10 years ago i think lee um back to your main passion of running which is now culminating in being a team GB athlete and ultra runner, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks for being on the call. I know uh, I find you uh, nearly at dinner time in Dubai, so I appreciate this. It's really great. I was going to say it's great to see you. It's really great to talk to you. Obviously, we've had two or three chats and over the last few days and today, but I realized when I was preparing this, we've known each other on and off for about 18 years, believe it or not. So it's nice to get to spend some time with you and, and, and hear more of the story from what I see as from afar. Yep, that, that's it, isn't it? You kind of like social media now, you're kind of getting these glimpses of people's lives. So I see what you're up to and that you're having babies and things like that and doing all the adult stuff. But so, Yeah, it's a weird world in that respect. But yeah, definitely, I think, I think I've said it to you even, even through our chats and voice notes and DMs that, you know, it's, it's an inspiring story. So I thought, who better to, to have as the, the first guest in the new series, really, and, and learn more about what makes you tick. Um, I mean, that, that really kicks us off with the first question of, how you start your day, your morning habits, you know, how, how do you tackle the day from the beginning so that you have the best day possible? Yeah. So I suppose nothing has really changed. Like I just grew up with sport. Right? So my, my father's philosophy was you kind of, you get your, your sport done, you go to practice. And then if you've got time, you do your homework and that's how it was. Right. And that kind of, that was my life like all the way through primary school, high school. And, um, and so the kind of lessons you learn through that is, is the ha- the habits, right. And that kind of repeating something eventually kind of leads to, to well, hopefully excellence, you know, if you've chosen the right path. So, and also teamwork, you know, what you put in, you get out resilience, losing, learning to fail, um, is a big one, uh, how you deal with that, how you come back with it, etc. So that really didn't change whether I was recruiting or whether I'm now running, you know, professionally. It's, and I was saying this to a mate yesterday who was, hey, people ask me all the time, like, how do I get in shape? What do I eat, etc. And it's, it's, it's like the, it's like, how do you, I, I really want to be rich. How do you get rich? Well, you, everyone wants to be rich, but are you prepared to work 10 years, like solid at something in order to kind of be, be a specialist in it? And so, so I was just saying, I, I wake up and before I can even get to the coffee machine, I walk past a, a bar that's above my door, you know, one of those chin up bars. And so whilst the coffee's brewing, 
I'm doing kind of three times 10 on, um, doing three times 10 on the, on hanging leg raises, looking after my core and my hip flexors and stuff like that. So I'll have the coffee, drink about a liter of water and then go out for my first run. And it's a liter before you even left the house. Yeah. So rehydrate big, like big thing for the muscles, organ, everything kind of like drinking lots of water. Um, and, and just so coffee, water three times 10 on the hanging leg raises and then go for the first run. And so that's like five days out of seven, that's fasted training. So you're kind of, you're teaching your fat metabolism, um, or you're teaching your metabolism to, to optimize like the burning of fat, uh, and using fat as fuel as a primary fuel source, as opposed to glycogen. Uh, so that, that's just habit. It's just hardwired in me. It's ingrained and, and, um, but exactly the same in recruitment in a different way. And so whether you're kind of working in an office and you're doing something in business or you're kind of doing professional sport, it doesn't really matter. Like if you start your day with exercise, ideally in sunlight, the science is there to proven that, you know, you're thinking you're, you, and, and that gets into a habit. It only takes really 30 days to set up a habit. You're setting yourself up for the day. You're better to work with and all, all the rest of it that comes with it. Yeah. Start taking like where taking that time for you, or and like you say, whether you know the the sunlight, the vitamin D, or the I think for some people, right, that clarity of thought comes from training, doesn't it? You know, you feel a little bit calmer, a little bit fresher. Obviously, endorphins, I guess, as well. Um, so, how, obviously, when even when we spent time together 15, 20 years ago. I was. I remember going to the gym, the gym with you then, and you you teaching me things then, and sales as well. I used. To, I think I used to sit next to you even for a period of time as well on the phone. So I remember some of those things about habits and processes, and that certainly stuck with me. But going from, I want to get back into running, to running a hundred kilometer race and winning it over a ten year span, it is it's quite a stretch, right? <laughs> you know, it's quite a it's quite a d- dramatic development. So how, how did how did that come about? Uh, yeah, I mean, so so from when we worked together back in Manchester, I left Manchester like 15, 16 years ago and then set up my own company, uh, made all the mistakes you make in setting up your own company, realizing that, you know, recruitment is not just you on your own. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And so making all those mistakes. And then uh, I was working in oil recruitment. Uh, so there was a crash in the market like 2008, 2009. Went cycle in Asia. And I've had a few of these experiences where you just spend literally weeks and months alone, completely alone in your thoughts. And, and, and essentially a six week trip to Asia became 12 months on the bike, just cycling around. And, and with that came at the end of 2009, um, I was going from Bangkok to Singapore on the bike, uh, and trying to do it fast, uh, to get there in time for new year's Eve, friend's birthday. There was a goal, uh, which was, you know, a big, a big goal. And I ended up falling asleep before New Year's Eve, actually, you know, before 12 o'clock. But, but the kind of thing that I got from it was, this is what I love doing. Yeah, I love just getting up in the morning and endurance. I love the simplicity of it and the meritocracy of it. There's nothing subjective about running or cycling. It's the first person to cross the line wins the race. And it's the same in recruitment, right? So if you've done the most deals in a month and that adds to a figure, it's there on top of the board. There's no argument. There's no debate. That's the person, yeah? And so I love that. I love that about it. Um, and so it was literally kind of like 30 or 30, 30. I was like, as soon as I get back to my place in Thailand, 
I'm going to start running. And I went for a run maybe the 2nd or 3rd of January 2010. And I went for a run and just said, I've gone out for an hour. I thought all this cycling fitness had turned into running fitness. And so I said to my girlfriend at the time, I should be about an hour. Came back after five minutes, just dead. Like I, I, I probably strained a quad and uh, just too hard, too fast. Yeah, they didn't know how to pace it. So all that I'd done as cross country and track and field as a kid, just forgotten all of it. And the cycling fitness hadn't really kind of like, I definitely was aerobically fit, but there's, it's just a different type of fitness. And I remember saying to my girlfriend, um, I'm going to be, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a professional runner. And I was big at the time. I was still, I wasn't as big as I was in Manchester, but I was still, I was still heavy. And, um, not a runner's build. Not a runner's build. More of a kind of rugby rugby person's build that I was playing in Barcelona before I left to go cycling touring. And and then yeah, and then so from there it was just this, when the curve is so steep as well because you know you can do it. I signed up for Manchester 10K in May, and you know completely, I had to stop three times along the way, but I did the sub forty minutes. So still, still, still got a good pace. Still okay, but you had no idea what you were doing, and then somebody just taunted me into doing a 50k uphill race in 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 granada which eventually became my home because i fell in love with the place and then all of a sudden you're in something that you know you can you you're completely you're overly optimistic and delusional because that's the kind of personality set you have and um and, and then it's a case of okay so really this should be a 10-year journey like gladwell's uh, 10 10,000 hours right so how can i condense those 10,000 hours into what should take 20 years 15 20 years into three years uh so how do you how do you make all those shortcuts and stuff like that um and and you quickly started to plan that and map that yeah 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 absolutely yeah and then it's like okay well like long story short you realize that i can't be doing a full-time job and doing running at the same time so i need to save up so i've moved from an apartment into i rented a room in an old lady's house and uh, paying like the minimum for everything, watching my budget and everything, saving as much as possible over a year, and then like essentially funding myself for that first year in 2013. And and then you get you gave yourself that that sort of year to go okay, but that's when I'm gonna yeah I, I need enough funds for a year at least. Yeah, I need, I need enough funds for a year. And then what you realise is actually your life doesn't cost. When I'm living in Granada and my rent is 200 euros a month, living basically like a training base camp. My life then doesn't cost what it used to do as a recruitment consultant. So actually, I saved up enough to live for probably three years and fund myself. Luckily, sponsors came within like six to nine months. But you'd hear you'd hear Rogan uh, speak about this on podcast, uh, and it's kind of like a soundbite now because he says what you need to do is most people never do this, but but you basically just need to give yourself that window where you can go at something for like six to nine months and really hit it. And that window, like whether you like it or not these days, is a chunk of money to just say, bills are paid, no kind of worries, no stress. This is what I'm doing. And if you could do that, like some people would say it's a leap of faith. I think it's the opposite. I think if you, I think it's more scary to stay. Okay. Yeah. You, you mean, so not, you mean the, the fear of not giving it a try? The fear of getting to 45 and thinking, what if when I was 27, when everyone's saying I was too old to become a professional runner, what about if I would have just gone, yeah, you're right, probably I'll stay in recruitment. And then you know what it's like in recruitment. You can just, as long as you keep your, as long as you listen, you're going to be earning decent money because that's the name of the game. It's a numbers game, right? So um, 
so yeah, and it's very it's very difficult in in the society like we like in the community we're we, we're from back in Manchester where everything is so everything is kind of you're judged on you know what you're wearing what watch you've got what shoes you've got what car you're driving where your apartment is all the materialistic stuff that you quickly realize in your 30s doesn't mean anything um it's difficult to walk away from that and a lot of people think you're nuts um and that's fine you have to be nuts to go for it yeah so yeah do you think it's nuts or fearlessness or do you think it's just um single-mindedness or do you think it's just just super super clarity 200 percent clarity you know i think if you, what's the word? Not even necessarily nuts. Um, pure belief. You know, if you believe it, right? If you're like, you know, no, I, I want to do this for for that reason. It could some for some it could be nuts, right? But I guess some of us they're just no. I, I I think I can do it. You know, pure belief. No, absolutely. It's a it's a combination of those things. But your, your fearlessness, in, in a in a way, fearlessness, uh, but but also super clarity that you are absolutely one hundred ten percent back yourself. Right, so you have to 100% back yourself. Is it any doubt? Don't bother. Like you have to back yourself, and uh, maybe that comes from your support system. Maybe it comes from internal. What I've learned over the years is, you know, judging myself against my competitors is everything that I do is it comes like from intrinsic motivation. So intrinsic, I do it for the love of it. Like I do it for I I did recruitment for 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 the love of the game, not like for, for for kind of competition not for the materialistic get like not for the money and and everything else that comes with it and and if it's intrinsic your motivation it's it, it, it will every day of the week will be somebody who's extrinsically motivated and you saw that with during covid when competitions are cancelled and postponed who's doing this who's still doing the training like for me i trained harder than ever before was there a big chunk of people that kind of went by the wayside yeah, it kind of like, you know, you get back to training and things start to open up and races start to open up. And then there's videos on Instagram now and Facebook and there's athletes training. And it's like, whoa, somebody, you know, you get a comment like, oh, well, somebody's done his um, winter preparation. You know, you'd see like, at, you know, when people do the spring training somewhere warm, people and lads have got the tops off. And it's like, oh, somebody's done their winter training. They've got, you can see the definition in their abs, right? Because the body fat low, et cetera. And I always look at those and think like, that's your job. I, and that's like a Roy Keane comment, right? But it's it's your job to be. If you're a professional athlete and you're not in shape, what are you doing? Like that's when you see those boxers. Some of them are always ready to go, and then you see some of them who balloon between fights and stuff. It's that that difference of discipline and sometimes the level of the fighter as well, right? Or the performer. Absolutely, yeah. So, so obviously, we're from a place where we've got like Ricky Atten, right? So just take somebody too skilled uh, in in sports. To uh, physiology, to know that there's a, a lot more longevity in his career if he would have stayed in shape in between fights. Yeah, I guess for, for those that were, were talking for that, for anyone un, uninitiated, Ricky Hatton was a, a two weight world champion from Manchester, but he liked to eat and drink between fights. Not not the super disciplined monk that you that you see some athletes today. Um, yeah, definitely not right. He would he would enjoy the trappings of, of success. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and that's uh, that's another thing, right? So it's again, it's the extrinsic motivation that maybe maybe was big for him. And I, I think Sugar Ray said something special, like very difficult to get up at six o'clock in the morning and hit the gym when you're sleeping in silk sheets, right? It's a great quote, but still still counts today. It's it's like if you were doing it for the money, and then the money comes, it's like in recruitment. Everybody I've ever interviewed for a job in recruitment always said, oh, money motivated. Yeah, but you've got to test that to what extent. Like, you know, 
do you want to own a planet? Do you want to own like a, an island? Is it just your mortgage you want to pay off? Like, of course, there's a... What's that so, level of ambition and why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so this is, yeah, this is why kind of running is really no different to, uh, to your job, really. Well, I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of parallels in, in that the running the race, the preparation, the planning, the, the fitness, the motivation that if you want to do the best day to day, whether it's sales, consultancy, recruitment, just life, I think there's, like you said, there's a, not necessarily about the winner and loser, but you know what you've, what you've put in, you can, it's there, you can see it. I think like the, the types of runs you do is very, like you say, it's very parallel to, to, to life in general, isn't it? It's not like if we do a 5k, we're back in half an hour back in the house and you, you might even not even think about what you've done. You might just listen to a couple of tunes, a couple of your favorite songs. But when you go and do a 50k race in Thailand or the, the, the one in Granada or the, the 100 kilometer one in Italy, Italy recently, how, how do you go about planning such a race? Because I can imagine there's so many well, terrain and, and journey, but dips of motivation, energy level. Also, I guess what's possible for the body. It doesn't, it seems how, yeah. How do you apply that sort of thinking and preparation to, to something to, to me? And I guess many is, it's very abstract. Yeah. You kind of like my strategy has always been, you keep yourself fit. Like, so you're kind of at 80, 90% all year round. So you keep yourself in shape. So you're doing, you're doing the basics. You're doing a decent amount of miles. Um, I've always gone off, like, if you look at me versus a lot of other runners, kind of mar even marathon runners, uh, I, I always do the absolute minimum I can for the maximum result. So that when you add and you add specifics towards a race, then um, the results are exponential. Um, and it's, again, it's the same in recruitment. If your quality is high and you're making hundred calls a day, what about if you're making 200 calls a day? Yeah. Your return is going to be bigger. So then, um, so then you're kind of at 80, 90% fitness, and then you kind of need 10 weeks of specific training towards. So like for the race in Italy, essentially it's 40 K flat ish, and then 10 K, 10 K uphill, 10 K downhill, 40 K flat to the finish. So you know that you're going to need to be, uh, my plan in that was to run 40 K easy hammer it on the uphill because that's my strength take it leave everybody behind my weakness is going downhill so i'd practice that condition the quads then at that 60k point when you've hit the bottom of that hill you, you still want your quads to be able to handle a marathon essentially on the back end flat so it's um so, so it's it's just all conditioned for me it was just all conditioned in the quads keeping it on track of my hill running and then, and then going from there and then just every, everything then becomes specific so your long run every every weekend is uphill downhill you back yourself on the flat in a way but your midweek interval session is uh it, it's just fast stuff so it makes the race seem easy and with ultra marathon running you want it's the same as marathon running really it's not too dissimilar that you want that race pace to feel like you're in second gear. You've already done it. You've already prepared for it. Yeah. Like you, you, you've prepared so much faster that yes, your biomechanics of running and not so too dissimilar to what the pace that you've been training, but you've got the endurance and you feel as if you're in second gear all the way. You're not quite kind of, you're still in the black. You're not going into the red for the entire thing. So there's, um, there's a, a quote I heard recently, which is it's quite, it's quite parallel. It's we, you know, you hear people say, oh, they'll um, they'll turn up on the night or they'll raise their performance or, oh, he, he only plays well on the weekend like the football player. But uh, I think, I'm not sure if it's the Marines or somebody, they say you normally descend to the level of your training. 
not you don't rise to the performance. I'd never really thought of it like that, but you you've just kind of hit the nail on the head. It's, no, it's you've already done the work. And that and and psychologically as well. That's the thing that I mentioned to you when we spoke recently. It's um, like you get to the start line and everybody is petrified. You can cut the tension with with a knife. Uh, like people are worried that they're going to fail. They're worried that they're going to drop out. They're worried that they're going to get injured. They're worried that they're not going to get the time. For me, you've done all the hard work. So that's that's the part. I, do. I feel so excited. Like it's difficult to sleep the night before, and um, and as long as you, uh, not it used to be difficult to sleep the night before. Now it's easy because you're completely confident in what you've done. So I'm, I'm just really excited to get going. Like that feel that gun. You want that gun to feel as if you're released from a cage. And have you, did you, have you worked on that? Have you done specific things psychologically, mentally to go, okay, this to get yourself in that place? Because I would imagine it's really natural. Well, natural to, to be nervous before any race, but natural times 10 on a 100-kilometer race. Yeah, well, it's not really, mate. I think it comes – I think a lot of it comes from traveling, right? It's just perspective. So – so, so people will say, oh, you know, how do you run for seven hours and is it not painful? It's like, not, it's not really painful unless there's something gone wrong. It's not really painful. It's just discomfort. And we're kind of so hardwired to, to, for everything to be comfortable now. As I was telling you, anything I need, I can get delivered to my house and don't really need to go out much, like get in a car, et cetera. It, that could be my life if I wanted to. So you, you're kind of doing something that doesn't need, there's not a, there's not a lion chasing me. I don't need to run for food anymore. So there's that that animalistic nature or instinct doesn't it isn't there. So it's kind of why are you why are you in hour four and your quads are killing and you're kind of you're still going. Why, why carry on? Yeah. Yeah. Why carry on? But then it's like with perspective, like you're not living in Ukraine taking bombs. Your, your whole city has not been bombed, right? You're you're not kind of um, you're not born in a country where you can't actually leave the country because your passport's useless. You know, you've been born in Manchester, UK, you in some kind of a democracy, you, you free healthcare, you know, free education, you, you have to really want to mess it up. And there's, there's a, it's a little bit more complicated than that, obviously, it depends on who you were born to, etc. But you have to, there's, there's a lot of stuff there that you have to, you have to really want to mess it up, to mess it up. Mm. Yeah. There's a platform, there's a platform at least to start from. Totally. Yeah. 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 And concentration wise then, you know, because it's, it's real deep focus before, but definitely drawing. Do you, do you have any insight or any tips or is there anything you do to maintain those levels of concentration? Where, where do you take yourself? Yeah. Um, so, so for me, it's funny. Like when you're on the start line, like, as I said, I'm, I'm buzzing. Yeah. And then they'll kind of give you, they'll say something like, right, you got a minute, minute until the gun. And I always, it's funny because it's an Oasis lyric. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's everyone's just panicking, and um, and my my go to is like uh, is a Noel Gallagher line. It's like, how much do you want it? How much do you want it? Like right there and then, how much do you want it? And do you want it more than everybody else here? Because this is literally heart versus heart, lungs versus lungs. Like who's got the who's got the biggest heart here? And that's you just have to kind of go into it like that. And you know, people will talk about oh, I go into beast mode. It's like there's there's no mode. There's no off switch. Kind of like that's who you are. So as long as you're comfy with that and you get to know yourself, you kind of like you don't need to kind of re refocus it. You're already in. Yes, that's you're already. Yeah, you're not. You're not. It's not sort of separationist. It's this is who I am. Yeah, 
And so, so is that the, the when you when you quote in the the Oasis lyric, is that like a it's like a mantra now? It's like that's that's it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember to get. I remember getting in this lift. Uh, I was doing like Seville Marathon. I needed to kind of get a decent time to get in the England team, and and I was like, I was not really not not in shape because I'd had a couple of niggles, and I was like, right, I've got to got to ha- pull something out of the bag today. Got like it's got got to happen. So I was kind of psyching myself up. So I'm staring into this mirror. I'm in a lift on my own. I'm just staring into my own eyeballs like an insane nutter. And I'm just going man or mouse, man or mouse, man or mouse, man. Or mouse. But I'm so into it that the doors open. There's just a crowd of people waiting to get in the lift, and they just see this guy in a running kit staring into the mirror, like just talking to himself. Must be frightening, but yeah, for me, for me, it was like. Were you saying were you saying man or mouse out loud or just in your head? Yeah, man or mouse out loud, like an... was, was even even even. Yeah, so yeah, people yeah. will talk about it. Do you remember that guy we saw that time? <laughs> Do you remember that runner? Or, or if if anyone saw the race, they'll go, "That was the guy." Uh, what man or mouse? I'm trying to think if I've got some mantras. I think I probably do. Uh, maybe maybe they're a, a non a non podcast topic though. Um, Habit wise, then you know you mentioned about uh, the, the the morning ones. I think those very three simple replicable you know hydration energy and and core whether you're a runner or not we could all we could all dive into that do you have habits day to day or week to week generally that that put you in the right place that that help you ready for race day Mm. yeah so you you want to take like it's funny because during covid i really started to dig down on these and you've probably got like eight different areas so it's like flexibility uh strength and conditioning exercise physiology uh, nutrition, um, stress, sleep. There's a few like that. So for me, sleep, like that's the, that's your superpower. So I guard my sleep, um, and I have eight hours of sleep. It doesn't matter whether I go to sleep at four o'clock in the morning or 12 o'clock night, I have eight, eight hours sleep and I get up late because I train in the heat. So it's a little bit, that's a little bit unusual for, for any type of sports person. They usually get up early and, I like to get up and train in the heat. Um, and then to, to, to-do list. All my life I've written a to-do list. So that takes the stress away. So on paper, somewhere is written everything I need to do. And that's stuff to do with running, but also stuff to do with life. So um, so that's just all on paper. And, that, and everything gets cleared off that before the end of the day. So, um, yeah. Does that help with the mind when you are running as well? Because you've got more clarity, more simplicity. Yeah, it's, exactly. Bringing, up, bringing just... Everything as simple as possible, yeah. And the the, the to do list is more is is a daily to do list, or is it you, you are you planning it over a week, a month, or, or both? But yeah. So what do I want to achieve today? What do I want to achieve this week? What do I want to achieve this month? And what are the long term goals? So this year, what would I want to win? And like, um, yeah. But it's funny on bring you know taking all, all that out of your head. I remember like, I was an old, you know, I'm still an old fan, right? But I used to go with my dad to Olden games, and my dad would just give me some blinders like you know you'd see somebody like a defend i was a defender as a kid and like you'd see some fullback make a ridiculous mistake and then you know the goal would go in my dad and i'd be like what would he what was he thinking and um dad would always say something like uh he was probably thinking did i order one bottle of milk or two you know in that moment <laughs> see something else right head somewhere else yeah but it's it's funny but it's also it's totally true. Like if you've got other stuff going on in your head, like if you if you if you're in a sport that pays you a lot of money, you can outsource everything, right? Whereas if you're not, if you're in a sport that doesn't, but you're kind of living your dream, you've got to still take care of yourself. So yeah, that's where the planning comes in. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, uh, I, th- I think it's that is it's even that. I think since Corona as well, and also the digital age and what we're doing today. Even you know, you've got. I think a lot of people find it very hard to concentrate, don't they? So that that one bottle of milk, two bottle of milk, it's always in there somewhere. It's re- you know, people are always thinking about the next. You know, we're on this call. I can imagine quite often people are like, oh, what's the next thing? Who else am I talking to? It's very hard just to dial in sometimes that distraction. So, you know, to then go and say, I'm going to go and do that for seven hours on a specific task is is, is ultimate planning for sure. Because um, obviously on the flip side of that simplicity, obviously it's running and running and running fast and running long. You've got to have, yeah, you've, there's a level of concentration, not concentration, but... Um, how do you tackle burnout? And when I say burnout, I don't mean like you, you're overly stressed. Or I mean, the the engagement and the enjoyment of of doing the running. How, obviously, it's your passion, but if you do something too much, you can you can fade. So, what what do you supplement it with to keep keep that enjoyment? Yeah, it's good. It's a good question, mate. It's um, it's like um, it's it's very very difficult for me to not be all in. Yeah. Uh, so right, like right now I'm, I'm, I'm noticing that, um, I'm noticing that because I'm trying to do other things at the same time. Yeah. And, and it's like, I, I kid myself sometimes and I say, okay, I'm going to get into this and I'm going to going to give it four or five hours a day. I've got that. It never, it's never going to be four or five hours a day. It's get, everything has got to be at 110%. So you just dive right into it, dive right into it. And then it's like, all of a sudden you kind of you're doing something for 12 hours a day as well as trying to train for big races and stuff like that. So you, ultimately you've only got some, you've only got so much you can, you can do. Uh, and I've only, I've been burnt out once and that was like back in Manchester, addicted to work. Um, and of all the addictions that I've had, like that, an addiction to work is the most lethal. Yeah. Yeah. Addiction to running is quite, um, simple to do with. It's equally as bad, but you, you, you know, it'll, you'll very quickly get found out in, but it'll come in the form of an injury and you're like, ah, right. Okay. I've strained the muscle. I've torn the ligaments. You've always done it and it's there. Whereas work, the problem with being burnt out of work is it often kind of, often kind of comes just after major success, right? Because you've been working like crazy. You're running on that adrenaline. Um, and then, all of a sudden, bang! It hits you, and that takes a long time to recover from. So, yeah. Mm. I, I was thinking the reason I, was, I, I got me thinking about it is, is a the discipline you do. But I think we were talking before this, and we, we were talking about that the live chat you did with with Ronnie, and I got the impression from it as well, if I remember rightly, that someone such as him who's so disciplined in in his his, his area snooker, the running provided a creative outlet, a different outlet, so them when you did dive back into your passion, you dive, you, you dive back in with more energy. You know, I think Sean White, the snowboarder says it massively that, uh, the whole reason he was successful in snowboarding is because he allowed, he was allowed to go and skateboard. So he became a I think gold medalist in skateboarding as well, but he, he jumped into that for fun. So then his passion still gave him that, that release where I don't know if this, you know, like you say, if there's things that you find like that, yeah, I need to sometimes just dip into other things as well to keep, to keep it. Or are you pretty much no? I, I love it. I always, I'm always going to love it. Yeah, I'm always going to love it. But there has to come a, there has to come a time when you're kind of like, okay, I've done, I've done, I've done enough. And it, it's a tricky thing because you really want to, do, you really want to do something you love for forever. Yeah. Um, like I really admire what I really admire in a footballer. Yeah, I've got my kind of like three guys who are kind of like they're all time, all time greats. But 
I really admire kind of a 20 year career, somebody who's been at the top for 20 years, like, because that, yeah, when, especially when it can now comes with the money to kind of keep on driving for the win and, and keep on, yeah, the discipline training harder than ever in your last stages, even more than you did before and having to do all the prehabilitation stuff. Different ways as well, as well, I guess, as well. You know, if you, I don't know, you think of some of the players, yeah, like you say, these guys in their mid thirties and forties bringing yoga into play and stuff like that. Yeah, that's fa- That's fascinating for me. And, you know, I've got a friend who, I mean, just on that, like I've got a friend he rode the Tour de France, I think, fifteen times, and um, and then he, he, you know he sent he sent me like had a crash day two, so you get super fit, fitter than ever. You're completely on the limit. Day two is a crash in the peloton. He goes down, breaks his femur, uh, no, breaks his fractures his femur and breaks his hip, and he sends me the first video of him uh, of him taking a, his first step on the Zimmer frame, like a few weeks later, yeah. And then within four months, he's riding a Vuelta Espana. So kind of gone from July to September and not only kind of can walk and is mobile, but riding at the top level again. It's, it's not, it's bizarre, right? It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, I, how, how do you do that? And how do you switch your kind of, cause the frustration that comes with being injured, you don't have access to the drug, the thing that makes you happier. And he says, you basically become a perfect, you, you were a professional cyclist. Now you're a professional recoverer and it's your job to be as fast as possible at getting back. Like not trying to, not trying to cut corners, but, but as fast as possible at getting back on the bike and Just take, um, taking it super serious, but, but as like, yeah, that's your discipline now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So it's um, yeah, that's that's fascinating. But but also like like you mentioned about the snowboard, they can feed into each other. So um, so it makes me really happy to be doing well at something else as well as well at run at running, and it's a different type of pleasure. But it's still, yeah, it's still kind of it still hits something. It's still kind of like I I you know I, we could talk a lot about this, but like automa- automation and like. Re- robots taking out and universal universal income and things like that great sounds amazing if everybody's got x amount coming in every day and and you could do absolutely what you want but for me and you that might be okay we pick up a guitar and we start to write songs we're terrible but but we love it right so that's what we do because we've got all this time available for other people that might be addiction to whatever right and and i think the lack of um usefulness purpose um that is that is something very very dangerous people need people need some something yeah that that, from a purpose perspective yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah is there uh is there any obviously for the people who will uh watch or listen to this is there any tips or biohacks or things you'd want to leave people with and say, look, this, this will help you day to day, whether it's motivation, mindset, planning, fitness, any, any key takeaways you'd give us? Yeah. For, for me, I like, for me, the, the biggest one is you get, I mean, you've got, you've got to exercise. If you want anything to be sustainable and optimal, you've got, you've got to exercise at some point. It doesn't matter what your thing is. It might be like hitting a tennis ball against a wall. Yeah. Um, but if you if you do that first thing in the morning, instead of after work, when there's a thousand things that could happen in your day that that then doesn't happen, yeah, you've got it done and it's the first thing you touch. So you get your heart moving and you get your heart beating in the morning and you you tick off that. You get out ideally in sunlight and you kind of like you're doing that for thirty minutes. Um, that in the morning and and basically earn your breakfast. Like what you're gonna, what you're going to get from that is 
fat fat burning, you're going to turn your body into like a fat burning machine, like opt, optimize your fat burning um, and, and metabolism. And, and then you, you're going to give yourself like there's positive endorphins, like that, that are going to help you throughout the rest of the day. You're just going to be easier to, to be around work, work with all those things. And you're going to be more productive. Um, so that, that's the thing. That's the biggest thing. A lot of people will do go to the gym after work or at lunch and stuff like that. I, I get it. And it like breaks the day up or you're looking forward to it afterwards. But first of all, it's going to be mega busy after work. And, and the amount of things that can go, oh, we just got a meeting. Do you mind like jumping in on this? And all of a sudden, you know, you get an earache off the person at home. Uh, yeah. So yeah, just get it done first thing in the morning. Don't like, don't just be like non-negotiable with that thirty to forty-five minute, whatever it might be, however long you can give yourself. Ideally, an hour. But simple one, really simple one. Look, mate, it's been a pleasure. We could go on for ages, I'm sure. Actually, I've, I've got, I've got more questions now. I thought of, but yeah. So I will definitely be uh, texting you um, for sure. But thank you. This has been amazing. Where can people find you if they want to check you out on socials? Yeah, you can't find me anymore. <laughs> Fair, enough. Find me. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. No, no, you can you can find you can find me. You know, if you if you I suppose if you wanna if you wanna find me enough, you will find me. Yeah. It's just like that. There you go. There you go. The man of mystery. Good luck with everything to come and uh, a pleasure. Good man. Thank you very much for your time, Andy. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Progressing Lives Everywhere. Brought to you by Moria Bond. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please be sure to subscribe, like, and leave a review. Every time you do, it helps others find the podcast. For more information on Amoria Bond specialist services and to access the podcast show notes, head over to amoriabond.com. Join us next time as we continue to progress lives everywhere. <laughs>